This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, you can find us in a couple of different ways. You can give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And while on our website, please click on the radio page to check out all of our past shows and even subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, listeners, President Joe Biden's recent signing of the Inflation Reduction Act has drawn significant coverage in both general and financial news sectors. While the bill's name is fairly straightforward, as with most pieces of large legislation, the details are anything but. The Inflation Reduction Act includes cash incentives for purchasing electric vehicles, tax breaks to accelerate the country's move to renewable energy resources, and a potential reduction in health care costs for many Americans by allowing Medicare to directly negotiate drug prices. But before we get into more of the details, let me bring in my co-host, Mr. Tony Shore, to help us with this topic today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, we're in person normally. We're in person together, Tony. Normally, you're in your studio uh, back uh, at the offices there or, uh, you know, your studio you have. And I'm here in Minnesota in my studio. But today, we're actually together. Together? Face to face. I know. We're going to have a fun show. <laughs> I, I like doing it in person a lot better. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I love seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to see you. And uh, it's great to have you and Logan uh, out to visit. And so we can hang out, record a radio show. And I know you're here for a big financial convention uh, where you're going to impart your wisdom to other uh, advisors out there and vice versa. So I think that's going to do my best for yeah. sure. I love how you're always updating, even as many years as you've been doing this, you're always updating uh, your knowledge base and keeping up with what's going on out there. Definitely. And going to these financial conferences and talking to some you know major players in the financial world to really stay on top of it for your clients, right? I mean, education is key for sure, you know, and yeah. if I'm going to be able to adequately educate my my uh, my friends, my family, and my clients, I've got to go out and make sure that uh, I know what's going on in, in, uh, in our world. So this is one way that I do that. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be with some of our country's top financial minds and advisors out there, and Michael Binger of Gradient Investments will be there, and he always has a lot of interesting things to share and he is really on top of what's going on in that crazy market. I mean, it it's been, been a doozy this year, hasn't it? Oh. A doozy. Yeah, 2020 hasn't been a great year for the markets, but that's why you need to have a financial plan in place and you need to be able to weather that storm and not make overly emotional decisions and stay the course. And I know that's what you help your clients do. But today we're talking about this Inflation Reduction Act. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot in there, obviously. It's a huge bill. Yeah, it's 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 enormous. I mean, you know, and, and the Medicare thing sounds good, but other parts of it, you're wondering, wow, 
So where do you want to start with this topic? Sure. So interestingly here, Tony, you know, first of all, we should obviously note that uh, this certainly wasn't a piece of bipartisan legislation, right? Uh, <laughs> no. Wow. It was definitely and, not. And it was done right right before the midterm elections. But, you know, the bill passed the Senate on a 51 to 50 vote on August 7th uh, with Vice President Kamala Harris casting the deciding vote. It then squeaked through the House in a mere 220 to 207 vote on August, uh, August 12th. Uh, President Biden then signed the legislation into law, and many of you will likely recall news stories several months ago uh, regarding Biden's proposed Build Back Better legislation, which was essentially a much, much larger proposal that, that included many of the elements from this Inflation Reduction Act. But after rounds of negotiations, it was clear that the Build Back Better uh, Act wasn't going to make it through Congress. And so that uh, you know, started this kind of scaled down version of the Inflation Reduction Act um, that we're talking about today. Well, yeah. And boy, you talk about uh, totally, uh, it was definitely not bipartisan. I mean, in the, in the, in the Senate, uh, it was right down party lines. All Republicans voted against it. All Democrats voted for it. That's right. And it even took uh, the vice president's uh, uh, vote to swing it uh, and get it passed. And so, you know, uh, there's some obvious conflict, and we know that that's the way it's been uh, for a while now, a very partisan situation. Um, and from what I've heard, this legislation has a heavy focus on climate change and things like that. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it does. So um, definitely climate change is one of the, the biggest priorities of this bill. Um, it invests more than $360 billion in energy and climate change programs wow. over the course of the next 10 years. Okay, And so that includes significant incentives uh, for those looking to purchase electric vehicles, for instance. Um, and in hand with that, it also supplies tax breaks designed to increase the pace of the United States shift to renewable energy, Tony. Hmm. Does the bill actually say how much carbon emissions will actually be reduced? So those who support the bill claim it may reduce carbon emissions by almost 40 percent by the, the year 2030, which is about 10 percent less than what Biden was hoping for with his original Build Back Better legislation. However, goals and reality are two different things. <laughs> and so, you know, only time will yeah. tell if that 40% actually comes up to be accurate, sure. Tony. Sure. Um, now, additionally, the legislation supplies about $60 billion to cities that are expected to be disproportionately affected by climate change. And so many more uh, millions will be supplied to Native American communities, for instance, um, to help that climate resiliency, uh, you know, funding uh, come in place. Yeah, and I've heard that... Uh uh, it does uh, provide some, some of the money uh, from the bill uh, goes to Native American communities, which is good. Uh, but then there's uh, 60 billion will go to cities that are expected to be affected by climate change. So I assume that's all going to Florida, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and California. I mean, and California. And maybe some to New Orleans, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So um, here's the million dollar question, though. Uh, or I guess in this situation, the billion-dollar question, right? Billions of dollars. How, how is this all getting paid for, right? That's Great question. The, I that's mean, the big one. Who knows? No, I'm joking. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, so, unfortunately, that, 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 that you're, is you're part kind of, it, right? of half joking. <laughs> so the, the, the aim is for the bill's cost to be 
to be covered, at least in part by a new 15% minimum tax rate that's going to apply to corporations uh, that have profits over a billion dollars. And so the bill would also require companies to pay a 1% tax when they buy back their own stock, uh, while also greatly enhancing the IRS's tax evasion enforcement team um, that we'll talk about as well. Yeah, we need to talk about that because that's been a controversial aspect of this bill. But before we get into that, I have to go back. It is interesting, the 15% minimum tax rate. Um, To explain that from what I've read, Nick, that is uh, companies now can get by without paying a lot of federal tax. That's right. Uh, And this, no matter what, if they make more than a billion dollars, they have to pay a 15% minimum tax rate. They can't be re- reduced by deductions or loopholes. That's exactly so correct. So they're going to be for, for <laughs> sure the government's getting the 15% minimum tax from corporations whose profits are $1 billion or more. And you'd think, well, how many companies could that be? Well, it's a There's lot. There's a lot. <laughs> there are a few in this country, which is a good thing. That's right. Uh, like Amazon and Google and, uh, you know, um, Tesla and all those types of companies, Apple. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Walmart. I mean, they're going to have to start paying some corporate taxes. Uh, but the IRS thing, I mean, the money for IRS tax evasion enforcement, that's that's drawn a lot of criticism. It sure has. Uh, you know, some say it could lead to armed IRS agents knocking on doors, conducting audits. And that's what scared me. I mean, Dr. Shore, come out of there. IRS, <laughs> let us in. Well, here's the thing, Tony. Okay. The legislation will funnel uh, an additional about $80 billion to the IRS during the next decade. Okay. $80 billion. And, you know, however, to date, it's not clear how much of that money will be spent, though it, it, or how it's going to be spent, I should say, but it is anticipated that the IRS will use around $45 billion to improve its tax enforcement in, mm-hmm. in, in this case. So that may mean increasing staffing levels and bringing, you know, badly outdated processing systems up to date. In fact, to that very point, $5 billion is specifically earmarked for technology. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, an additional $25 billion of that $80 billion uh, figure is slated for enhancing the IRS's overall operations system. Um, it's just an old, antiquated system. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've even heard they still have tube monitors in some IRS offices. <laughs> I would not be and surprised. And Windows 95, things like that, or Windows XP that are very outdated. Wow. So, uh, you hear things like this, and you know I don't know how much of it is true. What we hear about how I know that the VA has had some of the same issues with funding. So in a way, it's good. But as long as they don't go out and attack the average person, I, I think the focus supposedly that money is going to go after uh, the really uber wealthy who are using a lot of tax loopholes, loopholes right. or people who are outright cheating the IRS. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. I don't think the average American, unless they're fudging, <laughs> needs to worry about it, right? Uh, hopefully. Um, but, you know, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, which I have to admit is, it's a grabbing title, but uh, you know how these bills are. They're iron. The titles are usually ironic. Especially at a time like this, right? When inflation's election at an year. all-time high and, yeah. and the elections are right around the corner. You are correct. Yeah. But, uh you know, we're in the midst, like you say, of really high inflation rates that we haven't seen in decades. It seems like targeting inflation is the right move, but uh, I think they just use titles that sound good and will get them votes. Will this legislation actually <laughs> do anything 
to cool or slow inflation? Well, Tony, it's interesting that you asked that question because according to the Congressional Budget Office, who is an independent agency, right, that supplies nonpartisan budget and economic information to Congress, this bill's impact on inflation on inflation is likely to be, in its own words, negligible. Okay, And so at the same time, however, the Congressional Budget Office is predicting that the legislation will reduce the federal deficit by as much as $102 billion over the next nine to 10 years. Sure. So there's some good parts in there. Yeah, there's there's bad and there's good, like like with most things, right? Right. Well, you know what? We should actually take a quick break here. It's time for a, a quick break. But before that, let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and what you have for them, Nick. Sure thing. Two different ways. You can obviously just give us a call at any time at 541-773-9567. Or please visit our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Happy to answer any questions you might have to address any concerns that you might have about your retirement income, for instance. It is definitely our goal to continue to educate the community um, and help them. Uh, and you with any questions you might have about your retirement. So please take us up on that offer. All right. That sounds great. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Jones Financial Talk right after this. Want to help mitigate the uncertainty of future taxes and lower your taxes on Social Security benefits? With tax-free qualified distributions and growth of earnings, converting your 401k to a Roth IRA could be your solution. At Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, we can answer your questions regarding 401k and IRA rollovers. We work with a team of CPAs and professionals who can help you avoid potential pitfalls. Visit us at jonesfinancialtalk.com to learn more. Well, welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, simply just give us a call at 541-773-9567 or go to our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And lots of our listeners um, go to our radio page to check out our past shows and to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, yeah, and I want to remind our listeners really quick that we're also available now on Amazon Music, uh, Audible, and uh, Google Podcasts. So uh, we're on all the major podcasting sites uh, out there. So check it out. Uh, I think that's going to be good. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you, Tony. And, you know, so far during today's show, we've been highlighting some of the most important elements of the recently passed and signed Inflation Reduction Act legislation. Uh, We're going to get more into those details now. Yeah, and and during that first segment, you were talking, Nick, about some of the major things this legislation will fund, how the price tag is going to be covered, and whether or not it will actually do much to reduce inflation. Um, I think they just uh, look for the most ironic title. Yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) They can for these bills. What do you have for us in this segment? So the first part here, Tony, is very important to many of our listeners, especially because this time of year towards the fall season is it's time for people to look at uh, their prescription drug plans, right? And so, oh, yeah. um, you know, one thing that this bill does is it definitely allows Medicare to negotiate uh, drug prices directly with manufacturers. And that's a very, very important topic, obviously, this time of the year, because, you know, in addition to allowing Medicare to negotiate those drug prices for the first time, the legislation also puts a $2,000 annual cap on how much Part D prescription drug plan enrollees will have to pay out of pocket for medications. And it levies tax penalties on drug manufacturers that increase their prices beyond the rate of inflation. So 
two very, very good points there. Uh, for instance, Medicare provided insulin is also capped at $35 a month mm. and also ends out of pocket expenses for many vaccines under Medicare. Okay. And so the nonpartisan congressional budget office thinks that Medicare may save hundreds of billions of dollars over the next decade, thanks to its ability to now negotiate the prices of some of those prescription drugs, as well as potential tax rebates to encourage drug companies to keep prices low. And really what we mean by low is fair and in line with the inflation rates. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like to see those at or below the inflation rate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and see, here's this is the one thing that I'm glad is in the bill and I'm glad got passed, and I think we can all agree on, is that uh, Medicare should have been able to negotiate drug prices long Definitely. ago. And I think the only negative is that it's they're limiting uh, how many drugs, and we'll get into that, uh, because I think I heard a news report that indicated it's connected to the American Rescue Plan that involves Medicare, too. Is that right? That That is right, Tony. And, you know, the newly signed legislation provides a three-year extension uh, to the expanded subsidies and other financial enhancements that were first included in last year's American Rescue Plan. And obviously those were designed to reduce the expenses of health insurance plans available in the Affordable Care Act marketplace. And Tony, also, according to the AARP, those subsidies have been especially crucial for people between the ages of 50 and 64, who sometimes pay up to three times more for health insurance. Yeah, before they get on Medicare. Exactly. Those are the most expensive years, obviously, right? And interestingly, when people come to our office and they're asking about being able to retire early, what do you think the number one thing we talk about is? Healthcare insurance. I mean, gosh, for costs. some people, you're looking at $1,000 a piece per month, right, before the right? age of 65. And so that will help and should help. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're planning on retiring early before 65. And that those COBRA plans are outrageously expensive. Outrageous expensive, exactly. And, you know, the other thing to take a closer look at here, Tony, um, with the Inflation Reduction Act is what it does for Medicare Part D right. prescription drugs. And that's this time of year, right? Because, again, for the first time, out-of-pocket expenses for Medicare Part D prescriptions will be capped. Oh, that's great. And so for older Americans, right, that's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, beginning in 2025 – enrollees won't have to pay more than $2,000 a year for their share of Part D prices. And I've got lots of clients that unfortunately have to take prescription drugs and pay way more than that right now. So that will really be a very, very beneficial thing to them. Um, And then also most vaccines will be free through Medicare going forward. Yeah, that's great. I know my cousin um, has um, some, uh, you know, medical issues and his prescriptions if he got no help and had to pay for them himself would be six thousand dollars a month wow a month i mean that's just grand you're gonna go broke there's no way anybody can afford that so uh fortunately and he's pretty low income so a lot of that is covered for him obviously um uh but uh you know we need to make sure that medicare can negotiate lower prices for people who are retired and i think that's good and you know, as you've mentioned, we've talked about this before, and you've mentioned Medicare Part D is a really crucial piece of any financial strategy for any American um, who's on Medicare. So anything that makes it cost less 
is welcome news. Exactly. It sure is. And um, as for Part D, listeners should also be aware that its premiums cannot go up by more than 6% a year, at least through 2029. Oh, wow. Okay. And co- and so the income ceiling for beneficiaries to qualify for a subsidy uh, to help cover Part D out-of-pocket expenses has also risen from 135% of the federal poverty level to 150% of that level. And so that's an increase from about $18,400 a year for an individual to $20,400 a year. Wow. And you've mentioned the fact that Medicare will now be able to negotiate drug prices directly with manufacturers. And that's clearly a major policy shift and something I think a lot of people have been wanting. But tell us a little bit more about what it really means. Okay, so it's going to start slow here, Tony. Okay, the legislation is going to allow the Health and Human Services Secretary to start negotiating prices for 10 high-cost prescription drugs next year in 2023, and those negotiated prices will be put into place for 2026 for Part D and 2028 for medications covered by Medicare Part B. All right, And, and then from there, the number of drugs Medicare is allowed to directly negotiate with will increase. And so, in, um, you know, in about seven years, in 2029 and 2030, 60 drugs will be part of this negotiation process. Yeah. I don't understand why they couldn't do it with all the drugs, <laughs> but at once, uh, why they have to start with 10 and then bump it up to 60. But uh, I think this is one a lot of people are probably wondering about. I mean, what happens if the drug manufacturers aren't willing to negotiate? Very good question, and that's probably why there's such a small list of negotiations that will be available initially because, obviously, um, prescription drug companies have lots of money, and they, yeah. they, they pull a lot in politics too, right? Yeah, they so, do. Uh, but I'll tell you this. According to the terms of the law, if a drug manufacturer walks away from the negotiation table, then the federal government could hit them with a tax of, a, of as much as 95% of their sales from the previous year. Wow. And so, I mean, clearly that's a potential hammer devised to provide drug manufacturers with a clear incentive to continue to negotiate uh, until a mutually agreed upon price is determined, right? And so right. Um, the other thing is uh, we, we estimate that then that negotiating pr- provision alone could save Medicare almost $102 billion oh. over the next 10 years, right? And so to wow. me, that's just obviously just a stunning figure. Yeah. And a lot of people know that Medicare obviously obviously helps with things like prescription drugs, but saving that much money just from that specific thing. Wow. I mean, that's a big number, Tony. (laughs) It is. It is. I I love how during the show today, Nick, you've been sharing information with us about this new law that that was signed into, uh, into place, the Inflation Reduction Act and what it may mean for older Americans when it comes to things like Medicare, prescription drugs. Is it going to affect inflation? Uh, let's keep moving. Let's roll right into your next point. What What do you have for us next? Okay. So, Tony, the next thing I wanted to touch on is that small businesses and middle class income taxes will be affected here. Okay. And um, so first and foremost, the Inflation Reduction Act isn't uh, expected to increase taxes on either small businesses or for families who make $400,000 or less. Now, of course, whether that theory will be maintained moving forward is obviously going to depend on what happens when the law's impact actually starts to begin um, to be felt, right? Well, yeah, and I'm sure that's a relief for a lot of small business owners and a lot of families out there. But given what you just said, 
maybe you could remind us how the things in this legislation are actually going to be funded. That's still <laughs> good a idea. that's still a big question. <clears throat> Great idea. I mean, I know you mentioned that tax. Yep. So let's quickly recap uh, some of the information that we shared earlier in the show. So the legislation dictates that some corporations pay more tax than they currently are, uh, are, okay, that they're going to. And so here's an example for you. A large business with more than a billion dollars in income will now pay a minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. Okay. And so some extremely large companies like Amazon and, and Nike, for instance, pay very little in federal income taxes. And so, again, this legislation also includes a 1% excise tax on corporate stock buybacks as well. Well, in addition to moving people toward green energy for their homes and businesses, this new bill is also providing some incentives for electric vehicles. What's the scoop on that, Nick? Sure. So if you're eyeing a set of electric wheels, you'll likely find much to like in this legislation. So for starters, tax credits for buying a new or used electric vehicle that were already on the books have been extended for an additional 10 years, Tony. And those credits apply to what are referred to simply as clean vehicles. uh, And they now include some hydrogen fuel cell cars actually as well. Interesting. Are there income limits to get those credits? There are. And the legislation limits are based on the MSRP of the vehicle as well. So basically, the, uh, those limits prevent the purchase of a highly priced luxury vehicle. Okay, so interestingly, though, the law also eliminates the 200000 car limit for claiming the credit. And so this means manufacturers like GM, Toyota, and Tesla are now all eligible. You should also note that beginning in 2024, you can take the clean vehicle tax credit as a discount at the time that you make your purchase. Okay, so essentially, you'd be transferring the credit to the dealer who would then reduce reduce the vehicle's price by the value of that tax credit. And so the upside for consumers is they wouldn't have to wait until tax season to see the benefit from that tax incentive. They'd get it right away when they purchase the car. Wow, that's huge. And if it really ends up working that way, you know, I, I'm the kind that see it when I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Totally, right? totally. Uh, but I hope it works that way because that sounds good. Now, this has been another wonderful show, but we're out of time, Nick. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Well, yes, as always, I just really have uh, tell our listeners to reach out to us in a couple of different ways. The best way to do that is just go to jonesfinancialtalk.com. Lots of great information on there. Uh, they can also call us at 541 541- Seven seven three nine five six seven, and ask us about any of the topics that we cover on our shows. We are here to help uh, help the community, trying to be an educational source and resource for them. So please reach out to us. All right, sounds great, Nick. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk with our host Nick Jones. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones, Herstel Jones, and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be 
from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.